so the lapel didn't agree with us very well. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to really pray the spirit into the, into the system. So hopefully that'll, that'll work. Just tell me if there's a problem. I'm just going to hold it like this. And I love how God puts in sync. I knew he would, but what Bryn said last night and what she'll, she's just, I just had no doubt what God was going to do, but it was so interesting how the Lord laid similar principles and concepts on our hearts that just meshed. And she said some very significant things in the part of her testimony that she shared. And I know she's going to um, share more in, in just a little bit. Um, How's everybody doing? Doing good? You know, I said last night that I, I believe that the Lord wants for many of us, for really for all of us in one way or another, but for some of us in a complete way, He wants a reset. Complete reset. A paradigm shift. You know, when you're, when I look at even on this little screen in front of me, the your way, Lord. It's just, it's your way, Lord. It's like the Holy Spirit just keeps highlighting that. Is everything I'm doing, is is my life about his way? And oftentimes, well, not even oftentimes, have you ever heard the phrase, what you think about, you bring about? Our thought life drives our behavior. And... We need to sometimes take a step back and say, what am I thinking about? Because without even realizing it, you can get into a place where you have a lot of stinking thinking. And it may not be the stinking thinking that is the obvious worldly thoughts. It may be that it's just enough contrary to the way that God thinks that it's hindering us from everything in our life to follow him. And um, and by the way, feel free, some of you love the sunlight, if it's too much of a glare, the, uh, yeah, whatever adjustments we need to make, we'll do that. Eliminate distractions. So I want to pray um, just... Just to guide us into this, um, my heart is overflowing with a couple things I want to say to you, and I just want to again make sure that that the Lord is coming out, and that you're not never. I never want you to leave hearing hearing Alexis or even remembering who spoke, but just that you heard from the Lord. That that's the that's the goal, Father. So I just ask you right now in Jesus' name, and by the power of the blood of Jesus that is so precious. You would just block all distractions, any strategies of the enemy to come against our minds, our bodies, our focus, anything in this room. Block it fully in Jesus' name that your spirit would just be able to flow freely. I ask you again for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to unlock our hearts and our minds To hear what you have to, not just to hear God, like I said last night when I prayed, not just so that people can hear, but so that they really are listening 
to your spirit, listening to your voice, listening to what it is that you have for us, even though you're going to be speaking corporately, God, you're speaking so individually to every single person. So I pray that that our eyes would be, as Ephesians 1 says, that you would enlighten our understanding by your spirit to get what it is that you have for us. And I just ask and pray all of this. Holy Spirit, just take over. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus, when he came and announced that he was the Messiah, of course, we know he was born in a manger and started his ministry after he was baptized by John the Baptist. And the Holy Spirit came down and rested on him like a dove. He began his ministry. And it's interesting of course, we talked about last night. He said in John fourteen six, he told people, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. But what he was entering was an environment and a culture and a people that while they were teaching from the synagogues about a coming Messiah, when he showed up, because he didn't show up within the parameters of what they had taught, they couldn't receive him because it wasn't what they thought it was going to be like. Now, some of their hearts were just misguided, but really seeking God. Others were just straight up corrupt. There were some, there was a lot of corruption among the scribes and Pharisees. But Jesus came to bring the truth, which made him a disruptor in his environment. And of course he said, I came not to bring peace, but to bring a sword. Why? To cut through the lies that have been through generations have gone into a a direction of error about the coming Messiah. See, he came to prove and to show them that he was actually the son of God in human form. And he came to do his will. But the people were just completely like, well, this is not at all what we expected. This just can't be. This can't, this can't be. I mean, and right away, the way that he came on the scene required faith. It required a laying down of all that they thought to see what was right in front of them. And it's only those who were willing to see and to consider as they sought God in their hearts. They were always, you know, being taught in the in the temples. But to seek God and say, okay, God, could this be? Could this be your son in the flesh? I mean, we think we have a hard time receiving things around us. Can you imagine if a man in human form, in flesh form, came and said he was the son of God? I mean, it was really, you know, people think it was easier in Jesus' day. I always look at it like it might have been a little harder. But they were only those. Now, he came with power. He came and he did miracles. And you see all throughout the book of John, all the amazing miracles that he did. When um, the blind man was given his sight, and, and then he was taken before the, the Pharisees, and, and it was asked, you know, they said, what happened? What, are you really the man? Were you really born blind? I mean, they just grilled him. And he said, they said, how did this happen? How, how did this happen? And the man ultimately was like, I don't know how. I just know that I was blind and now I can see. 
When has this ever happened? And they kept saying, but, but, you know, who did this? How, how did this happen? And, and he said, my eyes were open. My eyes were open. He said, it, it was Jesus. He did this. And of course they, they accuse Jesus of being demon possessed and, which is an interesting thing that often the church does. When they see something supernatural, they're real quick to give the enemy credit. If it's something that's kinda, kinda out there and spooky, oh, it's, it's the devil. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. But we can't negate the supernatural realm and the way the spirit moves and the Holy Spirit's power that was upon Jesus that was so great. And so finally the man says, do, do you want to believe in him? And that was it. They were just like, okay, get out, get out. They even brought his parents in and his parents were intimidated by their force. And they said, look, he's old enough to answer for himself. Just, you know, just ask him. He'll tell you. And so miracle after miracle they had to decide, okay, we've never, cause, cause what that man said that I thought was so significant, he said, this has never happened before, ever, that the lame walk and the blind see and these miracles, we've never seen this before our eyes, and yet you won't even consider that this could be Jesus? And so, sometimes God presents us, like Bryn talked about last night, sometimes he presents us with a, a choice. He takes us to a place where there is an opportunity to choose. And what's before us is is an opportunity to say, okay, God, am I going to go your way or am I going to retreat into, well, I've never seen that before, so therefore it doesn't exist. I've never done that before, so therefore I'm not going to do it. Or I don't I don't understand that, so I'm just going to stick with what I know. And there's wall after wall after wall. And oftentimes, and this was something that I was just like yesing in my heart when she said that when you respond, not making the choice to go God's way, oftentimes there's a blindness that can come over you. Because what happens is as soon as you are in disagreement with God's voice and you agree with the enemy's voice, that agreement gives him the authority to further deceive you. So when you respond in error to the voice of God, you usually continue in error, which then creates another error and another error. And even though, just like steering a ship, even though you might be off just a notch, the end of the destination, you're going to be way over here when you could have been on course. So every little response that's not responding directly to the voice of God through a humbled, surrendered heart can get you so far off course. See, Satan doesn't turn the ship around real fast. He just wants you just far enough off. And if you feel real warm and fuzzy and you still feel like you're accepted by the church and you're doing the religious thing, then you're good. Because see, people that are desperate on the streets, on drugs, their life is is just in the gutter, they usually have a greater awareness of that or their need of something beyond themselves because they come to this desperate place. It's the people who think that they have God, they have him in their nice little box. Like the Pharisees used to put those prayer boxes and hang them from their clothing called phylacteries. And they would put them on and it was just so pretentious because it was just like, I pray, 
I pray, and these are my these are my requests. And it was a it was a very religious. Everything was about appearance, and and it was just very very fake. And and so if Satan can get deceive you into thinking you're good, you know, I, I got my. I got my church, I got my things, I, I, I got my devotional book, I read that, and I, you know, I've been faithful, I only missed one service in the last three months, you know, I gotta get credit for that somehow, you know, give me a little prize, you know, we, we measure things differently, and yet that whole time we cannot be one bit closer. And we really love our comfort zones, because you know what? Just like, again, like God had both Bryn and I say it, paradigm shifts of the things of God do not come easily. When God is wanting to reset, that is not just an easy click over. A reset is a complete purging of what is not truth in your life and in your mind and in your thoughts. And it's cleaning it out and allowing God to come in with truth. And that is what Jesus brought. And that is why he brought offense now, he brought, he brought love. He brought miracles. I mean, it was amazing. But, you know, sometimes truth offends. Why? Because when you live in a lie and you don't want to change, you have a reaction of, how dare you? Well, that just offends. I, I, I would never. I'm not going to ever. So you get offended. And when people feed on lack, on what they've not seen, on... What God isn't, what God doesn't do, and that's because there's a lot of churches out there that teach the principles of God while simultaneously making sure that you understand that that's not what God does anymore. That's We're going to teach the Bible as a history book, not as a relevant, powerful, life-giving book that breathes the Spirit of God presently. And so when you feed on that, all of a sudden it justifies and it legitimizes the unbelief in your heart. And it perpetuates more. But you know what else it perpetuates? A spirit of offense. Because if Jesus comes in with a sword and cuts through the lies, how dare you? So that's why the soil of our heart, when we allow, and I love that cultivator tool, you know, that three-point, anybody garden? I just so don't. I love, but my, my mother had a, my mother had, do I look like I garden? Seriously. Um, I am an indoor girl all the way. Um, my mother had a garden though, and she would always have me pull the weeds and, you know, clean up the stuff. And she planted strawberries and different things. She really was excited about this garden. And I was impressed with her excitement, but I just was not. But, but when that, when the strawberries grew, I did enjoy Pulling the strawberries. But I remember just as a child just being out there and then, and doing my chore because all of us kids had chores. And, uh, so I, I, I saw the way that the rows were in the planting of the season and she had me plant some of it too. And it was really interesting and I, and I knew right away, I thought, man, it grew faster, deeper, and you got better results when the soil was nice and loose. When it was loose and you could get the, the soil down and, and then, you, then the water, uh, you know, cooperating with the soil just soaked it down in and you just knew you were going to get uh, uh, something bursting forth. And that cultivator seed, the temperature in this room is shrinking my finger and my ring will not stay on, so I'm going to take it off. Anyway, the cultivator soil reminds me of the Trinity. When you let God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit just rip up the soil of your heart. And just allow, like it says in, in um, James, uh, I think it's 521, 
that um, that we we need to receive with humility the engrafted or the implanted word that God has. Because see, every word of God that's brought forth, that's spoken, is a seed. And we receive the seed, and then when the seed is implanted, watered by the Spirit of God, and it all works together, guess what? Then the fruit that comes forth is what he produces. But what's the condition of the soil of your heart? Are you just offended like the scribes and Pharisees? That this person, even though he was proving his power, he walked with authority, the wind and the waves obeyed his his voice. The enemy could not stand. And and that just completely blew their minds. They wanted to call him demon-possessed, but yet he was casting out demons. And they couldn't figure it out. And Jesus was like, think for a minute. (laughs) Why would he cast, why would I cast out myself if that was me? I mean, they were, they were in awe and, th- and threatened by his power and very, very threatened by the fact that he was completely rocking the box they had built around them. And I'll tell you what, when we use the word wrecking, Jesus is a wrecking ball to the walls that we build around ourselves. But he's the best kind of wrecking ball. Because when you've got a building that's just, it's just, toxic. It just needs to come down. Sometimes you just need that wrecking ball. That's what worship has done for me. That's why I've often said it it wrecks me. It's like it. I am undone with everything of myself. And one of the things that God wants in the reset of our minds is he wants you to know who he is, who he really is. When he invites us into personal relationship with him, we get to know him through his word. We get to know him. When I entered into actual relationship with Jesus in a, in a different way as he was knocking at the door of my heart, I, I always prayed, um, being saved as a child, I always prayed and I, I, I knew that he answered prayer, but there was something that was still walled off because of the doctrines that I was in agreement with. When I was in agreement with doctrines that said, this is not how he moves anymore. This is not what he does anymore. See, if if I have to believe that there's a part of this precious word, this powerful word, that is only a, that was done once, it was a fluke, it's it's something of the past, that's the God of the past. And if I have to believe that, then how can I reconcile that God is the God of who was and is and is to come. How can I, how can I look back and say, okay, even, even examples like Enoch walking with God and, and in the cool of the day, the relationship that was so real that the realms were literally blended, the kingdom realm and the human realm as he just walked with him in fellowship. If you start having, you're going to be blocked in some way. So even though I wanted to get to know God more, These false and wrong doctrines that said that the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. They were only for the apostles. Miracles, healing, things of that were for that time. Or they may happen as a once in a while thing, but it's not the norm. Okay, guess what? You will see for what you believe for. Just like when Jesus went into his own, his own country and he said a prophet is without honor in his own country, he went into his own, his own upbringing area. And he, it's scripture says he could not do miracles for their unbelief. He still did miracles among unbelievers. 
But the, the measure to which he could have released his power was literally hindered by the fact that they didn't believe. It's, it's astonishing as I look at Jesus' life and I see lep- the leprous hand that, that goes into the coat leprous comes out healed right in front of their eyes. And they're like, I don't know, what day is it? It's the Sabbath. Should he be doing that today? And they missed it. It's like, what? You're worried about what day it was done on? You're worried about how this is freaking you out a little bit? You're worried about you and how this is impacting you and the box that you've built and the power that you think you have because of your influence on people and the fact that if this man is true and his power is true and he's really the son of God, then I might have to humble myself and be wrong. And that ain't happening. How many of us have been there? Traditions that we stick with for the sake of traditions, being brought up in a strong Christian home. I honor my parents. Yes, scripture says honor, honor them, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. But when you honor the traditions that may not be rooted in full truth, that is something that you have to let go of. And it doesn't dishonor them to let go of it. My, I told you about my, my two daughters. Obviously, they can point now, my 25-year-old certainly can point now to the things that, yeah, you taught me that, turned out to not be right. I can either just be like, we're not going to discuss this. I am your mother. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> How many of you have ever let your children humble you? And, and you know, when, when they, because they do, they learn. Because we don't, we never have a problem saying, oh, I'm not perfect. Oh, of course I don't know everything. But when you're challenged on the fact that you don't know everything and you actually have to apologize or say, yeah, I was wrong about that, oh, that's just a whole different deal. I'm not going to do that. I don't mind telling you that I'm not perfect. You know, we love the slogans, but the actual challenge of our humility is, is difficult. And so we cannot hold on to traditions for the sake of traditions. And that was where the culture of where Jesus was coming into. And so he was challenging them on who God was. And today, that is what's happening. I know God has called others, but he's definitely called my husband to be a wrecking ball to the church. And that kind of sounds like a violent calling. But not in a way that attacks the church, that comes against the church, but that the wrecking ball is that I will speak the truth responsible to God alone, as by the way, all of us should, responsible to God alone, and I will not be swayed in any way by organizations that have form without power, formation, fitting into behavioral modification. When you step outside of some of the religious acceptable circles and really step out and say, God, I'm going to seek you above all else, watch how people that come against you will be more believers in the church than even the unsaved world. The steps of faith that you will take to literally say, God, I want your way above all else, that is a big part of Bryn's testimony. Most of her decisions were not acceptable by the loving Christians around her. That because God called her to something specific, to his plan for her life, she had to go against, she had to go against 
the, the norms, the Christianese things around her. And people had well-meaning hearts. But are you willing to take that step? That's what I see in Jesus and those that, that received him and followed him. But we gotta know who God is. I get that you can be caught away in vain philosophies and in, in things that can be false. And we have to be very, very careful that we have a relationship with the written word of God so that the, the voices, the, the voices that disguise themselves as an angel of light don't just carry us off into a false enlightenment. And sometimes the fear of that just makes us shut down the supernatural. If you've ever had a, a freaky experience in the supernatural, I've just heard stories and stories and stories. That, yeah, it just, this just, whoa, and I, and I thought it was God, and then it turned out, whoa, it was just not God, and so I just shut the thing down. You know, that's what entire churches do. They have one experience they can't explain. And so, again, the response, while maybe well-intended, they responded in error with control, and so now they just shut down the kingdom realm. And said, look, everybody on that highway, we got to just lock it down because there's some bad apples on that highway. See, on the spiritual highway, the Holy Spirit resides. God's heavenly hosts, his angels. But there's also the demonic. And that's who we ultimately wrestle against. We know that from Ephesians 6.12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. If I'm having a conflict with another person, I am ultimately wrestling with the forces around her, either the ones that are oppressing me, that are that I'm listening to, and in maybe my agreement with that is now making me feel a certain way, and now I'm projecting it onto her, and then her stuff that she's dealing with is projecting, and all of a sudden we got this conflict. And what are we really wrestling with? Because remember what I said last night, man, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you are in unity in the Spirit, you got friends. You got friends no matter what you have in common. I don't care what your age, what your problems, uh, you know, financial differences, uh, you know, wealthy, poor. You're, it's just, it's a unity in the spirit. But we wrestle also against a demonic realm. And one of the things that is part of my testimony that's very, very interesting, and I don't know why God did it this way, but I think because of so much pushback and such a heavy, heavy spirit of religion on me, God had to show me his power by presenting me with a choice. In order to see his light, he had to present to me what light looked like alongside of darkness. See, we appreciate light, but if we never knew anything else, we would not appreciate it and might not even choose it. We would just assume just it's just always light. Have you ever been in complete darkness? Aren't you glad that you have a light you can turn on? Now, I get that we like darkness when we're sleeping, but I'm talking about the kind of darkness when you're trying to find your way. You, you, you like the light. The light is, is understood. It's, it's a, it's something that you can, you can grasp the difference. I did not understand the power of God and even what salvation, what my own salvation meant when I was, when I asked Jesus into my heart and I, I knew from from the Bible, all these things that I was free of, because I thought, man, I'm not, I'm not feeling free in everything. I didn't know how to get free from certain things. Like I said, I struggled with different addictions and reactions and and things that I thought I'm doing good for a while, and because I can buckle down and I can just you know make it happen. And it was always cart before horse 
in the sense, you know, in, in the in the um, the religious spirit is always, you know, behavior on the outside, and it'll ultimately get to your heart. And God's the exact opposite. Start with your heart. Start with the heart, and then the the behavior will manifest. But He showed me His power by showing me darkness, and I began to have some experiences, and He He began to speak to me, and it was it was. That was initially just rocked me because I kept thinking, okay, I guess I never really stopped long enough. I thought, okay, he speaks through his word. He he speaks through open doors. Well, that door is closed, so God's closing that. He told me that that's closed. Whatever, whatever I want to say it. He led me that that's closed. But this door is open, so I'll go through it. And it's almost like I allowed circumstances to be the voice of God. But I didn't really know that it was possible to have an actual conversation with him. It is so conversation with God. Lord. I mean, like Brooke said, silly thing, things that you would think you would never go to the Lord for. He is such a, a detailed and amazing God. He, he does care about the superficial things. He does care. He has spoken to me about so many things, the smallest things that you, I tell you, if you don't invite God into the small things, like, should I buy that? Um, is that, and, and I'm not talking about a, a constant guilt thing. I'm talking about an actual conversation. Because see, when you know the nature of God, you know that he, he understands that, that you enjoy shopping. And when certain priorities are in its place, he understands that we like eating. He understands that we, you know, he understands all of the needs in, uh, of our body. And when it's in the right priority and when it's in the right place, he's all about that. You know, Jesus, Jesus was fun. I mean, when you look at his interaction with the disciples, we don't know all the details, but we know that when they hung out and they ate together and they fellowshiped, that was fun. And if I don't invite God in and hear his voice, I don't get to experience all that. But but just getting back to the, the light and the darkness, God began to show me what the demonic looked like. And it was very interesting to me because what he was basically opening up in me was something I was unwilling to to ever visit in my life. I'm not kidding you. If there was ever a conversation going on, especially with missionaries and things like that, we had a lot of that, you know, stories of people that would go to these distant lands. And naturally, you know, when I was in high school, I just, I would have these missionaries would come in and they would tell us about all these experiences in Africa. And so I found myself praying, Lord, thank you that you're never going to, please don't ever send me to Africa. And um, if you know anything about ignition, you know that there is a major ignition ministry, crazy, in Africa. And we're just going there all the time. God has such a, a fantastic sense of humor. But, but I prayed that. But I remember if there was ever a conversation where somebody used the D word. It's like, okay, did, I, did, they, just, did they just say demon? Okay, I'm, I, I, I got to walk away. I, didn't even, I wasn't even aware of the fact that I immediately pulled back and didn't want to talk about it. It freaked me out. It made me uncomfortable. And so God began to highlight, because he's like, look, I want to open up to you the spirit realm of my kingdom. And I want to show you that you will be able to communicate with me on on a, a next level awesomeness. But there's a few other things on that highway. But you have nothing to fear. Because I have given you all authority, Luke 
19.10, to trample and tread on snakes and scorpions because of the name of Jesus. We are overcomers. I mean, he began to show me his character and what I had in him, but I couldn't retreat in, in fear. And by the way, do not fear, fear not, don't be afraid, is the most repeated command in all of the word of God. Why? Because people were afraid? No, because what it was, it was an invitation. Look, where you're going, what you're experiencing, what I'm about to call you to, I'm going to come alongside and I'm going to partner with you. And I'm going to be with you so you have no reason to fear. But you know what else it gives as an insight? To hear a command of of God repeated that many times is a good indicator as to how the enemy wants to gain entrance the most and gets entrance into our lives the most. See, my not wanting to hear about the word demon or not wanting to address that was fear. I knew it was avoidance, but at the core root of it, it was fear because we have absolutely nothing to fear. And just because you decide you don't want to think about a part of your reality does not mean that it does not exist. Many, many people are dealing with demonic authorities and dealing with struggles in their lives that they are face-to-face with every day and they will not call it what it is. And so therefore, they are agreeing with the enemy who tells them, it's not so bad, just like Bryn was talking about last night. He lies and deceives you and yet then attacks you in the same way that you're deceived to create the vicious cycle of the fact that you're you're just going to stay deceived. It's like, yeah, yeah, that I'm not it, I'm certainly not the one beating. God's the one God's the one doing this. He's allowing this whatever. And then as soon as you believe that really 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 boom, you get hit again. And he just keeps you perpetually bound. That is not the freedom that we have in Christ. But see, the reason why people stay bound when it comes to these things is because the church is not willing to recognize that the God of Elijah and Elisha, that the God of some of these great prophets, Abraham, Isaac, is the God of today. And that he moves and he works and he is so powerful and they don't equip people most churches do not know how to deal with with severe demonic strongholds. So when the, when people go to them and they're not getting answers, they're not getting biblical answers. Well, we just you know we'll just, let's just pray about it, and you know they get pat answers. Okay, my son is freaking out. My daughter is freaking out. The doctors keep saying it's anxiety. She's been on twelve different medications. She has complete what looks like grand mal seizures. But yet when she's been scanned, it's not a brain issue. What in the world is going on? Now she has 50 side effects from the 12 medications that she's on. All the while going through all this, not one time considering that there's a spiritual element. How did the demoniac, as as it says in scripture, act? throwing himself on the floor into fire, raging in the woods, and Jesus just entering into the region where he was, the guy starts freaking out. Why have you come to torment? Now, in that particular case in Scripture, we know that he was possessed with a legion. But just the proximity of the power of God upon Jesus 
was so powerful that they immediately started to freak out. Why have you come to mess with us? Because they knew exactly what Jesus was there for. But that example in scripture is such an important one because it shows us that in Christ, we do have the authority, not because of us, but because of him, to not be intimidated no matter how intense the stronghold is. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. 5, I love 5. It's We have the ability to cast down imaginations and every high thing, everything that comes to us against the knowledge of God, bringing our thoughts into captivity. And are the weapons of our warfare are mighty through Christ Jesus to tear down the strongholds. See, it doesn't just start with a legion. Okay, if you really want to look at it, demonic overtaking in a person's life starts with agreement. See, he's looking for agreement. He's looking to come at your thought life. Did you know that not every thought is yours? When thoughts come to you, there are thoughts. Have you ever had a random thought go in and you're like, where did that come from? Oh my word. I, that is, I wasn't even thinking that. That's just terrible. Either a random thought or a, or a thought of, of maybe sudden violence or a thought of lust that just boom, just comes out or, or a thought of just sudden anger. I had that the other day. The Lord, um, uh, I was, I was in a, a bit of a, of a minor conflict, but my response was in my flesh and I was so disappointed and so discouraged. And I'm telling you that the moment that my emotions and my flesh responded in that way, I could just feel this rush, especially cause it was about a week ago. So it was only a little bit before the conference and I knew I had to be vigilant to protect myself before the, with the attacks of the enemy I felt this flood of almost like like the spirit realm was just just delighting the demonic realm was delighting in the opportunity to lie to me and maybe we can get one to stick and so they started just condemning 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 what's my strategy against that have you ever ever made a mistake and you just I, you just couldn't get free from how much you were beating yourself up I mean you just were beating yourself up so I had to go to okay God it was wrong. So what do I do? What do I do? I ask for forgiveness. Okay? In Matthew, it says, agree with your adversary quickly. Because when you agree, and then you get confession, or you confess, you agree through confession of sin, and then the first John 1 9 promise that I claim all the time, he's faithful and just to forgive us when we ask us. Now I'm cleansed of all unrighteousness. So guess what? I am now cleansed by the blood of Jesus, even in my sanctification. I'm talking about as a Christian. I'm cleansed of this of this sin, of this mistake, of this reaction in my flesh. Now, guess what? You got nothing on me. You cannot attack me. I am cleansed. And so now I have the authority to cast, 2 Corinthians 10.5, Cast this imagination, this suggestion, this this taunting of condemnation. And I didn't do that right away. And I'm telling you, I did. And then I, I wallowed just a little bit. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And then I wallowed. And I revisited something that was already confessed. And then I had a conversation with my husband about it. And his reaction was not condemning. It was truth, but it spiraled me into feeling a little bit more guilty about it. 
And then all of a sudden, I, there was just this heavy, I mean, it was almost like what they were attacking me with earlier just came on me so strong. So I went in my, my office in my house and I, I just said, okay, Lord, I don't know where to go, man. I am feeling really low. Like, I know you've forgiven me, but I'm just feeling like I majorly screwed up. I embarrassed myself in front of other people. Like, now I'm, now I'm, now I'm low. And, and I started just, I could feel my emotions. And before I spoke it out, there were flashes. And this may sound crazy to you, and you might be able to relate to it. I don't know. But this is how the enemy hit me. All of a sudden, this flash in my mind, I saw myself, and this was in seconds, I saw myself saying, I'm done, I quit, walking into the bedroom with a razor and slicing my wrists right in front of my husband. Boom! Like, that's what hit, that's what came into my, I mean, it was just like super fast. Like, not only just, I might quit ministry, I might not do the conference because I'm so down, but I'm like, I'm done. Where did that come from? That's when I knew. I thought, okay, you just played too much of your hand, Satan, because that is ridiculous. That is not my thought. I will have nothing to do with that thought. You are trying to suggest something absurd. And that's when I thought, i got to use the weapon of my warfare, which is mighty through Christ Jesus. Know your thoughts, ladies. Know what is yours, what is not yours, and what is God's. I'm telling you, sometimes we get these things that are shot at us, and we'll sometimes go, oh, well, why did I think that? I mean, why why, why do I suddenly feel sad? I mean, am I sad? Could I be sad? Don't be in agreement with that. Say no. No. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I will declare. See, there is a biblical answer to the onslaught of the attacks of the enemy on our minds. But if we don't apply that, if we don't apply that truth, then guess what? We're suddenly now in agreement And oh, when we're in agreement, we've just responded in error. And now we're vulnerable to the next error, the next error, the next error. Next thing I know, I'm going to the doctor for full-on anxiety, depression, and ten other things. Now, I am not saying, please understand my heart. I'm not saying that there are not physiological things that can alter a body where medication is not needed, where it it may be needed. I'm saying, do not discard and not consider that there is a spiritual element to things that happen to the body. And I don't want to steal Bryn's fire because that's, she's, she's all about that. But we have to understand our thoughts. What are you thinking about? Because see, your thoughts about God are so key to your thoughts about yourself. Because if I see God for who he is, if I know that God is a good, good father, if I know that he loves me so much that he sent his only son to die for my sins, to save my soul. I mean, all of the things that are all throughout scripture, it's like, it's everywhere. For God is not a man, Numbers twenty three nineteen, that he should lie, nor the son of man, that he should uh, change his mind. It just goes on and on. Um, for the Lord, Deuteronomy 4.31, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget um, forget you with your forefathers. It, it's And then 46, uh, Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Isaiah 43.13, I am the Lord who has made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by himself. He is mighty, he is great, he is loving. He is not only a good, good father, But he is literally the definer of good and goodness. 
See, because some of us go, some of us go, how can God be good? Do you know what I've been through? That's easy for you to stand up there in your ponytail and your high heels. You do not know my life. And I don't know your life. And you don't fully know mine. And every single problem that we may measure humanly, it's still real to us. No matter, no matter how somebody else would deem it to be. That's why I never minimize what somebody's going through just because it may not be like somebody else's. It is very real to them. But I'll tell you what, when you know who God is and you know that he defines good, that is something that fundamentally, uh, Bryn mentioned, he, he gives us, just to be in relationship with him, he presented us with a choice. He didn't create robots. In order to have a real relationship, we had to have the opportunity to say no. Because if there was no other choice, then it wouldn't be a real relationship. How much, how would, what kind of a real relationship would it be if we were robots that just responded, you know, with, with an automatic, like that there's the, there's only one response, so that's what it's gonna be. God wanted a love relationship. He loved us. So when he gave us the choice, some people didn't choose right. So a lot of the manifestations of the lack of goodness we see around us, we think, is because some people are not choosing God and his ways and his love and his power. But God defines good. And so many of the worst things in my life, when I, in a surrendered place in my heart, have given it to God, he opens and unlocks the context and the truth. It may be a fact that I went through absolute hell in this situation. Maybe there are still scars from it, okay? But I look back and I go, wow, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. How is that possible? How is it possible? Because guess what? Wounds, when you're wounded, it hurts. But I have a scar on my knee. When it was a wound, it hurt. When it healed, it felt better. The scar is still there. But you know what? Scars don't hurt. You can push on it. It's a scar. It's a reminder of when I was wounded. But it doesn't hurt anymore because God's healed me. And now every time I can see the scar, I look at it in the context and in the light of what God brought me through. Some of us have been through difficult things, but do you know God was there through every single bit, every single step, every single step. It was an opportunity for him to show himself. It was an opportunity for him to show you what is it, how how awesome he is that he's with you even when it's hard. See, because we don't appreciate him. If he had not shown me the darkness, when I walked into that... Um, Building in, in Africa, we began to anoint and, and saw healings. First time I went to Africa, and I don't even have time to tell you the story of how he even got me to Africa, which was a story. But when we went out into this, this place called Kuduku to, to bring the gospel, and there was almost 3,000 people there, and they started to get into lines because they wanted to be prayed for and they wanted us to pray over them and anoint them. We saw people, people healed. Uh, Lindsay, our, our precious youth leader's uh, husband, Peter, prayed over a woman for her eyes to be, uh, um, they, were, they were blind. We, we got that on video. You could see that the complete glassed over brown, no color, literally formed color. And, and her eyes, she, she was she could see after the praying anointing. But as soon as the anointing started and the praying started, people started completely spazzing in certain places. 
And what was happening is the power of God was coming through that region and the enemy who was threatened by it in a last-ditch effort was trying to counterfeit that power and come against it, and it caused that person to completely lose it. And so those people were taken into a, a little, it was like not a tent, it was like a building. Again, this was so far outside of my comfort zone. I'd already experienced God and, and his voice, but it was like this was my moment of truth. And so we stayed in the lines, and I knew the Lord wanted me to go into that, that place. And I'm telling you, I walked in, it was like 150 degrees there, but when I walked into that building, I felt like I was entering a refrigerator. You could feel the heavy, cold, demonic realm. So heavy. And I thought, what am I afraid of? This is a do or die moment. Look, I'm either a believer. I either carry and host the almighty presence of God, the very same power of the Holy Spirit within me raised Jesus from the dead and I'm going to be freaked out by this? I don't think so. And I walked in there and I just laid my hands on and I just started saying, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, get out, in Jesus' name. I didn't know what was happening. I just was like, Lord, if you just hold my hand, stay with me, I trust you even though I don't understand what's happening fully. I know who you are. And when I know who you are, I can face anything. Now, many of us may not have to face that. But that experience, first of all, God was training me for many things to come. But that experience was an extreme experience where God was presenting me a choice. Look, you want to know who I am in power? You want to know who I am in hard things, in darkness? I am going to show you my power in the darkest place you could possibly be. And the light and the power of the Spirit of God, it was incredible. You know, just because you get to see darkness with light doesn't mean you have to have some weird fixation, which is what the church says a lot. Well, we just don't like to talk about the devil because we just, you know, you get into a fixation with him. Guess what? That is true. But Paul said, don't you be ignorant of Satan's devices. And if we walk in ignorance, we are literally denying a part of the power of God. And I get that our fleshes can be freaked out. But boy, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can lay any charge against us? So we've got to know who God is. And I'm, I'm, I'm closing here. I know we need to be able to take our break. But we've got to know who God is in order to know who he says we are. Because as soon as I know the way maker, I will trust the way that he's planned in my life. And in knowing his plan for me, I will also then believe who he says I am. I am his child. I am his precious princess. I am loved. He is actually for me. He will be my strength and my weakness. And on and on and on. And he has a plan for you. And he wants to tell you who he is. We, we, we're, we're fine with knowing who God is here. But when it comes to actually serving him, surrendering, taking the reins off, the control, the, the giving your, laying your fears down, that becomes something different. Well, I'll tell you what, that is directly related to who you think you believe God is. And that's why we gotta get real. We gotta get real girls. We gotta get away from this religion. I, I do my church thing, I sing my worship songs, whatever, but don't, don't put me in that situation. Don't tell me to go there. Because I, I don't know, I don't know who God's gonna be right there. I don't know who God, 
It will never, when he says I'll never leave you or forsake you, and that we're more than conquerors and that we're overcomers, if he doesn't present us with something that we have to overcome, how are we ever going to see the overcoming God that we have? So thank God for your trials. Thank God for things that you face. If I hadn't faced some of the things that I faced, I would not know the measure of God against the trial that I'm looking at. God is good. He is powerful. But if you stay in your religious box and seeing his power might mean having to see how the enemy works, so I just don't want to see any of it, you are missing out. But not just missing out, because there are literally some people that would say, well, it's fine that I'm missing out. I'm doing fine. I'm just going to stay here. No. Satan's agenda is not to just mess with you. He's just straight out seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. And when you are in disagreement with how God moves and how what his plan is for you, you open the door to agreement with the enemy. And once he's got a little tiny foothold, he will stretch that door open to come in and rage in your life. And for some of us, he's already raging in certain areas. We're just not willing to see what's really going on. And we're spinning our wheels in the human realm, going round and round, trying to find a remedy that can only be found in the kingdom realm because it can only be found through Jesus Christ. Only be found through Jesus Christ. If you know who God is, you'll know who you are in him, who you really, really are, fundamentally who you are. You are not rejected. You cannot be rejected. You cannot, you can choose to, Reject me. But your rejection of me will only be a reflection of your heart. Because I am not rejectionable. (laughs) I cannot be rejected. Because I just am accepted in Christ. So any rejection on anybody else's part is something that is within them. Because as I'm filled with the Spirit of God, my identity is set. It cannot, it cannot be moved. Psalm 16.8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. You cannot move me. I could give you permission to move me if I allow your rejection or hurtful words to harm me. But can you imagine? Now, that's a, that's a process. That doesn't mean I don't lose my hum- humanity and, and that, that words don't hurt me. Sometimes they, they stab. And I go to the Lord and I have to just remember who I am. And he immediately turns that hurt into a praying for that person. Because usually hurting people hurt people. And if you're stabbing somebody with your words, it's likely that there's something stabbing you that's flowing out of you. Because out of your mouth comes what's in your heart. And so God gives you the context on it. Oh honey, you're not rejected. You're loved. You're set. You're protected. You are my daughter. You are my child. Those hurtful words, that's your next prayer request. Pray for them. Forgive them. Let them feel the love of Jesus that will heap those coals, burning coals upon their head of the conviction of what they're going through that hasn't yet been laid down. But don't take vengeance into your own life. And that's how you learn to have that confidence and that boldness. Ask God for that. Some of us walk around with this timidity that 2 Timothy 1.7 says is not ours. It's not given. Spirit of timidity and fear is not given. It's not given of God. It is straight up of Satan. And you will know 
you will know what God's plan is for you. Um, a couple more minutes. One more thing I got to say. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You need to know these verses. You need to know them. Some of you know them, but you need to know them. And whatever translation that you like is fine. But Paul is saying in his letter to the Romans, I beseech you, I implore you to present your bodies, your lives, present yourselves a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And and he's saying it by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. God is so good to you. Just present yourself a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable. Which means fully, fully surrendered. Surrender to him so that his righteousness can be upon you. Don't come to him when you feel holy. Come to him for his righteousness. And it's reasonable to do that. But then verse 2. Verse 2 is so important. Don't be conformed to this world. To the ways of this world. To the thinking of this world. Because remember, God is is in the kingdom realm. And he's given us access. When Jesus said, like I said last night, when Jesus said he's, he's here, he came and he said, I'm here. The kingdom of God is at hand. How is it at hand? It's because of the Holy Spirit. We connect with his realm. And many of us are stuck in this thinking that is not of this realm. The kingdom realm is to be lifted up is to bow low. This realm is to be lifted up is you seek yourself first. Jesus said that a little is much in my kingdom. That's why he proved it with the five loaves and the two fishes by feeding 5,000 people. He was trying to teach kingdom realm. Everything Jesus said was literally the truth of the kingdom realm that was a possibility. It was a, a an option of a reality in the human realm by faith. He kept trying to tell everything he spoke. Listen to his words all throughout his ministry. It's like people were just astounded. Like, this is just not the way people think. We need, if you have the Holy Spirit living within you, when was the last time you said, man, am I ha- are my thoughts your thoughts? Do I have the mind of Christ? Do I have the mind of Christ? Am I thinking the way that you're thinking? It is When you present things to God, are you saying, okay, what's your take on that? What's your perspective on that? And other the other verse too, I want to leave with you because we just, we're going to be out of time, but Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, saith the Lord. Neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are high above the earth, so high are my thoughts above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. I'm getting the things mixed up. But those two verses, 8 and 9, is the epitome of what God is trying to say. Look, I am of the kingdom realm that I have invited you into through the adoption of salvation. When you accept Jesus. So I am giving you, if you will be transformed and allow me to come into your mind and transform your mind, I'm going to give you a new way to think. And it's not always going to be in agreement with the religious world around you. It's going to literally be my kingdom. It's going to be my kingdom. And if you will let me teach you how to think, you will be able to just see miracles around you. I mean, I have seen miracles. My husband and I have been married 30 years in November. 
the strength of our personalities, it's just God. I mean, I, I, I introduced him last night as my best friend in the whole wide world, and he is. But I will tell you what, without surrender to God, we would not have made it any length of time. Um, and, you know, he's way more agreeable. I know how difficult I am to live with. I know how, you know, whatever, high maintenance, pushback, whatever. He's, he's, it's just, but I'll tell you, I give God only the glory. <laughs> Are you amening that I'm high maintenance? Yes. <laughs> That's all right. I will receive that with meekness. Anyway, it's true. But when I look at that, I, I'm thinking, man, it's only in a it's only in a laid down life that that we've been able to 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 last. And 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 God just as He gives me more perspective and and more of of His mindset, there are so many things that I think, wow. I have avoided so many dark roads, so many conflicts, so many burdens by just responding in the godly way. Taking a situation where maybe it is, maybe if I had the whole world vote, they'd be on my side in terms of an argument. Maybe they would, maybe, in this agreement, in this example, I'm going to use it. Maybe if I could prove humanly that I'm right, it still doesn't produce right results if I'm not responding in a godly way. When I respond, Lord, okay, what's my role in this? Because sometimes we don't go to the Lord for it. We're just so like, I don't need to ask the Lord. I know I'm right. I don't, I don't need to pray about this. This is cut and dry. He's wrong and I am right. And Lord, the only thing I'm coming to you for, Lord, is just give him a smackdown and wake up so that he sees I'm right. But you know, the truth is, when there's a conflict, I go to the Lord and say, Lord, sometimes I do pray, Lord, please help him see. But if I'm missing something, open my eyes. Do you know if it is earnestly prayed, do you know how many times he will show you that it really does take two? It really does take two. Not in the ways that you might think. Sometimes it's just, and some, and it may not directly, it may not directly relate to that particular conflict. But the overall, he's shown me times where yes, in this particular argument, he was wrong and you were right, Lux. But then he showed me, but over here, you're not building him up. You're speaking, you're speaking complaining. Like Bryn said last night, you're putting unrealistic expectations for him to be your emotional, you know, punching bag at times when you just feel bad. And, you know, and, and this is a time when you need to be building him up. And, you know, he'll show me other things, but it takes that, that mindset thinking through the kingdom realm humbly saying, Lord, how should I respond? How should I respond? Somebody just offended me. Many of us, the reason why we're having a good church experience or a good experience doing our thing with God is because we got our people around us. Do you know how many people have walked away from God because their people, there was a betrayal there? There was a hypocrisy. There was a uh, lack of being there or whatever. People measure who God is based on how the people around them treat them. And so who what would your relationship be with God right now if all of your comfort zone, if all of your feel good, warm and fuzzy, I enjoy my church because I enjoy this and I enjoy this and I enjoy this and I enjoy this. If all of that were scraped away in the most unjust way, how would your relationship with God be affected? Is God still good, mighty, 
powerful and awesome if everything was removed. See, because if your Christian walk and your experience with the Lord is only good when your circumstances are good, when your circle of your people is good, when people are nice to you, when you're invited out to the luncheons, when you're included in this, when you're, you know, used in ministry, when you're given this opportunity, when you're, when you're given this promotion, wherever you are. That's a, a real true test and, and I've, I'm so thankful God has put us through everything. Everything stripped away. He's like, look, you want me to be your focus, so I'm gonna give you every opportunity. I'm gonna present choices. I'm gonna strip people out of your life and give you the choice to choose my way and I will show you how beautiful that can be. And in the moments, I thought my guts were gonna be ripped out. But as he showed me later, it was the best thing that ever happened. He was taking me to a place where he was my soul validator, my soul comfort, my soul everything. And some of us would be rocked if before you left this conference, somebody got in your face and was rude to you. It would ruin you. That's a pretty good indicator of the shallow relationship where you are with Christ. Because see, while that may humanly hurt your feelings, it would not allow you to be rocked. It would allow you to feel the pain of the person that would verbally vomit in your face. But you'd be anchored in who your foundation is in. And that's where we need to be. So what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? Is it is it kingdom thoughts? Is it kingdom realm? Don't be afraid to open up fully to all that God wants to show you. Remember, those true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. And when you're worshiping in spirit, sometimes you'll encounter a counterfeit spirit. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Do not fear. Because God will hold you fast. He will hold you. He will show you if that's him, if it's not him, and how to deal with it. Don't respond in fear. Don't respond in, you know, there, you, you may be right beside someone. If you don't think, and I'll, I'll close with this. You're not going to want me to close with this because it's kind of a bold statement, but it's true. Do you know how many witches have infiltrated the churches today? Do not kid yourself if you do not think that one of the ways Satan presents an angel of light is by presenting people that have given so much agreement to him that they're fully taken over by the independence of God, the rebellion to God, which is as the sin of witchcraft, scripture says, and it's fully taken over their lives. They are residing in churches in high positions of authority, in influential positions, and doing the churchy thing. And so how, how do you ever know that? How do you respond to a statement like that? Well, well, that's shocking. Well, I mean, what, what are we supposed to do about it? How do we know? When you have a conversation with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he will point out who that is, how to deal with it, what to do. If that person is there with an evil agenda or if that person is there just who's terribly lost their way, but you never have to fear that. I don't fear Satan's agenda because nothing can defeat my father. Nothing can defeat my father. And so if you really believe and you really want to let God show you that he's an over, that you are an overcomer in him, then don't be afraid of what he's about to show you that he's asking you to overcome. We sing that, oh, I'm an overcomer, I'm an overcomer. But then when the next thing comes before us that we need to overcome, we completely freak out. God's presenting us with a choice. 
And whenever that comes, he wants to show you his power and his love. And I'm going to talk about Defender a little bit later because you guys are going to all get the lyrics to that song that is very important. There's such a significant message there. But what we're going to do is... um Actually, Margaret, go ahead and just do that while I'm while I'm closing here. Will everybody get those um, those words during our break? Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna check out. We're gonna take a break, have some some snacks and some beverages back there. 